Good morning. It's been a while since I've been up here. Take BJ's notes away so I don't give his sermon again. So this morning, disorder or debt order. We're going to talk a little bit about order. Oh, do I have the thing? The first verse, the church I grew up in, how's my, this is the first time wearing this mic, so I'm not sure how comfortable I am with it. Whenever we talked about order in the church I grew up in, it had a lot to do with 1 Corinthians, when it's talking about the order of service, and 1 Corinthians 14, 40, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And you see this morning I'm wearing this American Eagle sweatshirt. I only have like three shirts that I feel comfortable wearing up here, and this is not one of them because I'm wearing big old brand name splashed across my front. I'm not wearing a hat in church, but I could like anytime, so it's kind of dangerous. This is sowing disorder all over the place. But, uh, but we're going to talk about God's order and uh, next verse. 1433, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And even then, look at this. First one was 40, the second one was 33. I'm putting the verses out of order, so it's all crazy up here today. Um, We're going to talk about God and God's order and why he likes order and what the whole point of it is and, and whether the focus is on the order or you know, again, what's, what's the purpose of the order? Um, some of it, uh, Proverbs, this is just a little chestnut on the side of things. Proverbs 25, 2, I've mentioned this before. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. So there are things hidden. You'd think if, if God wanted everything in a, in a nice little package order that he would just lay things out nice and clear and there would be no misunderstanding and, and we would all be able to just follow his rules and just get it done. But there are some things, like I said, that are hidden. Things are hidden for a time to be revealed at a certain event or a certain time. Sometimes things are hidden from a certain people to be revealed to other people. So some questions for today. One, why do things have to mean more than one thing? B, why doesn't God just say what he means? And bullet point, why waste time say lot word when few word do trick? So even there, I'm, I'm just putting disorder everywhere. I didn't even use the same structure in this slide. There's many different ways to say different things. Communication. We have the Bible, and we believe that the Bible is, is breathed by God to human beings that wrote it. And then through many years later, we are here trying to understand what humans wrote that God told them or that God inspired. And, you know, sometimes that breakdown is just from human to human. We, we have humans in here. And if we were all to get an inspired word from God and write it down and then share it with someone right next to us that lives in the same culture, the same time, the same language, there might be some you know, telephone game going on you know, that we might not all understand it exactly the same way. Um, so let alone, I didn't even draw a little X between God and human, whether miscommunication there, that we just have so much miscommunication between ourselves. 
Tabitha and I have been together for a quarter of a century. Make us feel old. But uh, even then, in some ways, it feels like we're just starting to learn how to talk to each other. And so things take time. Things have to, we have to get our filters out of the way and learn how to communicate. And sometimes I think it's that God is saying something very clear and specific, and we're just not in a place to receive it that way. Uh, we've got our, our own filters of like, well, God must be saying this because of that. Um, you know, I've got my own insecurities that are like, well, why do you say it like that? I don't know. Um, they're talking about order, the arrangement or disposition of people or things in relation to each other according to a particular sequence, pattern, or method. And we're going to kind of conflate order and form a little bit this morning. 2 Timothy 3, 5a, having a form of godliness but denying its power. We're talking about forms, the structure of how things are, are put together. Because that is a bit of an order. I'm rushing through my first slides because we're just getting to what I'm actually talking about here. Now, the Ten Commandments, I would say the Ten Commandments are a fairly simple and straightforward thing that God did that told people how to live. And it doesn't, I think where we get tripped up sometimes is like the Ten Commandments don't explain themselves. Um, but I think in some ways, a lot of them are pretty obvious. Like, you shall not murder, you know, in a society. That's pretty basic rules that we all have. Don't murder. The one that always tripped me up as a kid, and some of that was because of the way we learned things and the things that we learned um, about how things, especially supernatural things, worked or didn't work. Um, the you shall not make idols. I mean, it makes sense. On a, a surface level, it makes sense. Um, but why people felt the need to do it, um, what the real danger was, I didn't fully get uh, growing up. And so for me, I think uh, looking back at Genesis, and I know Genesis has been talked a lot about uh, by the leadership team. Uh, Genesis 2.7, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So we kind of see here in one verse kind of a, a super quick order that God has to creation. That he makes a thing from just you know the materials that he has that, that exist. Um, and even really then, that thing is still not much of a thing until he breathes his life into it. And doing a basic word study, the breath of life... Uh, a lot of times in the Bible, breath, wind, spirit are all kind of mixed in together. Um, so when God breathed into to Adam, he breathed his spirit into him to give him life. And, and that's when he becomes a living being. And so we see that God's process, God's order, God's form of things is for a point. You know, the, the form itself doesn't really mean that much. I mean, God cares about how he built us because he built us in his image. So I'm sure that's important, but you're not living until God breathes into you. And that's kind of like everything's getting up to that point. That is the point to, to become a living being. So let's go back to, uh, well, from Genesis, it's forward, but from here, it's back to Exodus so chapter 25 through 31, seven chapters, God details, and I mean details, how to build his place of dwelling to Moses. He's talking to him. Also the Ten Commandments happening at the same time. 
Um, but he details the, the ark. He details the table that the ark sits on. He details the tent. He details everything around it. The, the altar, he details the priests, um, what the priests are going to wear, how they're going to wear it, who's going to be the priest, who's going to build all this stuff that God gifted them to, to build all this stuff. He, he gives the entire plan out to Moses because the whole point isn't, isn't I mean, we could probably do a study and find out that each golden ring probably means something or relates to something about the tribes of Judah. I didn't go that deep into that. But, but the whole point of all of that was that at the end, when they consecrate everything, he's going to live there. He's going to dwell with them there in the, in the tent, in the ark. And uh, let's slow myself down a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's the whole point. While that's happening, seven chapters worth of all of that detail. In the next chapter, very first verse, when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. And for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So they've just counted him for lost and they're going to do their own thing. So while God is telling Moses, you know, do not create idols, and giving them all the details about creating this place where God can come dwell, these people decide they're just going to do their own thing, and they're going to do it themselves. They're going to make gods. They, they build the golden calf out of the materials that they have. And again, it's not like I didn't understand this story when I was younger, growing up, um, you know, even a few years ago, whatever. But it's understanding their mentality of why they're doing some of this you know, is it just a cultural thing that this is what this is what religious groups did back then? That they all had to have a mascot, and like we don't have a mascot, and Moses might be dead, so we got to make a mascot. Um, I think it's more than that, or I think God's view of it is more than that, and that's why God tells them not to make idols. That's exactly what they're doing here, is because God knows that when you make a thing, at the end of that, the whole point of something being made is to be filled. And if it's not what God told you to make, it's going to be filled. But you're going to have a bad time. Because it's not going to be God. Because God told him what to make so that he can fill it. And what the, the Israelites are looking to make will most likely be filled. And they don't even, the language that we have here at least, they don't even seem to be blinded to that fact. They say, come, make us gods. You know, yeah, we know this, this the one true God that led us here, but... I think we need some other gods now because uh, we're going another way. Exodus 32.4. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast into the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. All right. So there we go. Just confirming that they seem to know what they're talking about. They seem to know what's going to happen, what they're messing with. But God has been trying to, to tell them. Um, you know, a lot of times in life, a lot of times in the world, you just hear Christians or non-Christians, but you listen to people's opinions about rules, um, whether you should wear a hoodie sweatshirt when you're preaching or not, and what that means to the irreverence or, or whatever. Uh, people wear, wear shorts in the middle of the winter, and, you know, who knows. But... but uh, I think there's, there's one, one idea of, like, we don't understand God's rules. 
And so we think he's, he's stringent or he's too narrow-minded that maybe God's not even that creative because there's a lot of creative things in the world that, that want to have nothing to do with God. Um, and, and really, God obviously is creative. We believe him to be. He created everything that we, we know and see. Um, we don't even really believe that there's any other being that has that power to create. So... You know, where does, where does that come from? I think some of that comes from just a lack of understanding of where God is going with things, where God wants to go with things, the process that he set up from the very beginning of where things should go, um, and the possibility of where things could go if, uh, if it's not followed, if it goes the other way. Just another proof of how things are made and how the, the natural flow of things, Matthew 12 43 through 45, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. 44, when it says, I will return to the house I left. Oh, then it says, when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So I'm not so concerned about, you know, the, the seven spirits, the one spirit, but just looking at that this is just an admission of how things work, that there is a person, you know, there is a, a place, there is a person um, that has been evacuated, you know, the spirit is sent out of that person, but that person, the body is the temple, is still ripe, like it's empty. It's still ripe for something to, to come in there, to live there. And if that spirit comes back and the house is unoccupied, it's all clean. Everything's put in order. We can see that word again. But that doesn't mean that that's the end of things. Everything's in order. So God can come in, but there's nothing there. And so the spirit goes and gets a, gets a bunch of buddies, and then they go in. So that's just showing us that this is not just how God wants things to be, or that somebody did something wrong necessarily on purpose or anything, but it's just that this is just the order of things. This is how God created things to be. That you create a form, and that form is meant to be filled. And eventually, we're going to not go there yet, but knowing what we know about Jesus and, and what he did, oh, I'm hitting all kinds of buttons. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, rose again, defeated death, all of that stuff. You know, the veil was torn. What that means is that God can now have a personal relationship with each one of us as, as individual temples, that he can come in and live with us. And, you know, going from the beginning of the sermon about why things mean different things or why we don't always see clearly or why God doesn't speak clearly, we look at the Bible and we see that he's been... Trying, he's like training people to learn these things that they didn't believe at the beginning. When God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree, and then they did, a lot of it was they didn't understand why he said that. He just said it. And, and they came up with their own thoughts, or they were deceived into thinking their own thoughts of, of well, he must not have really meant it. He must, he must have meant something else. Um, yeah. So we can see through the Old Testament, it's training people how to see how God is going to dwell with us, to see the end game, to see how he's built things to live. And the, what's 
not to make light of our individuality and God coming to live with us and how much he loves us individually, but the, the end game beyond that is once that happens, we see again in Genesis 1, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish and all that stuff. And in Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So he's building things. He builds people. We're meant to be filled by him. And then we're meant to fill the world. We can't fill the world if we're not filled. Or we're going to, you know, by the rules of creation, we're going to be filled, but it might not be with God. It might be with something else. And, and, uh, And that's the, the point of creation. The point of order is not that the order itself is important. Sometimes it is. But that the order is for a purpose. The order is for an end game. The order is for God to live with us. All of us. Every one of us. Inside here, outside here. For us to fill all of creation. And that is the end of my notes. And it's kind of the end of my breath as I'm getting back into things. That's what I got. I didn't even look at the time. So, hopefully that was clear. And that God's order is for a purpose. I know a lot of us believe that. There's a lot of people that don't believe that. And we just pray that... uh, Praying with our eyes open even. Oh man, what's going to happen now? Yeah, Lord, we pray for the people in here. We pray for everyone outside of this building. We just pray that you show us your order. That you show us your plan. We pray that you reveal yourself. But at the same time, we pray for courage in obedience. We pray that, that we, we come to know you, that when you say something and we don't understand it, that we can still follow it. Something that may not even seem to make sense at all, that we can still follow it, as long as we know it's you. We pray for clarity. You tell us to to test words, to make sure that it's you, to make sure that it's your character, to make sure that it lines up. And we thank you for your steadiness of character, that you have your own order, that you are who you are. And even if we don't know everything about you, that we can learn it, and that someday we will see it. We thank you, Lord, for your revelation. We thank you for your faithfulness in waiting for us to follow your order, waiting to be filled, waiting to fill fill the earth. We know there's nothing really stopping you from being able to do that. And we just thank you for the opportunities that you give us to do what we can, to do what you can. 
to make that happen. Lord, we thank you for your order. We pray that you, again, just give us clarity on what order it is that we should be concerned with, not just having a form of godliness, but seeking the godliness itself. Thank you for this morning. We pray for safety on the roads. Pray for safety and health. Pray for Carol, that you, you just visit her. And you just knit together her mind. And uh, we pray for those who have been in car accidents recently. That you just be with them, give them peace. And we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.